everybody, and welcome to Between Play Stock Market Strategies. We have John Pasalacqua from First Phosphate. John, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, Albert. Yourself? I'm doing very, very good. Thanks. Um, I saw that today that, you know, we weren't really supposed to talk about this too much because I had other things I wanted to interview about, but uh, I think we should talk about it a little bit. Isabel Sheldon um, added to the advisory board. Can you speak to us a little bit about this? Yeah, no, we, we're really happy to have her on board. I mean, uh, she, she's great. She knows the the battery space inside out. Um, she was, a, you know, uh, I guess, in a sense, knighted by the Queen of England um, at the time for her knowledge on, on in the battery space and her contributions to the industry in the UK. So, and, and the world. So you can imagine, you know, what a, what a, what a prestige it is and what uh, knowledge base she's sitting on. And she's also a very, very kind and magnanimous person. I really like that about her. I always like people who have a lot of knowledge, but um, share it and who are very humble. And uh, so she fits all those bills. Just a great, great person to have on board here on our team and just a great compliment to our team, even if it's just an advisory board for now. It's not every day that you have someone knighted by a queen on uh, your company's roster there. So Definitely, um, especially, you know, being an expert in, you know, the field that this, this is great for first philosophy. I mean, we got so many different people that are even coming on board now. It's so much just to give. Uh, something I wanted to talk to you about, I thought this was really interesting. I've read in mining.com recently that they're talking about phosphate shortage, okay, in the LFP market as early as 2026. I mean, with everything that First Phosphate has going on, the position you have down in the uh, Saguenay-Lac-Saint-Jean area, talk to us a little bit about what this means and what does it mean for Quebec? What does it mean for First Phosphate? Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I, I just getting back from Washington from the uh, Benchmark uh, Gigafactories conference, uh, conference uh, last week, and I was asked to speak there. And this really came up, really came up almost needing to be able to have a strategic production of purified phosphoric acid in North America, and a, you know, a strategic reserve of purified phosphoric acid, and that's what we're looking to build here at First Phosphate, because the demand on on purified phosphoric acid, which is basically what goes into making LFP batteries, it's not like you take phosphate rock and mix it in there. You go like you got to purify; it's got to get to 100% uh, purity phosphate, which is you know purified phosphoric acid, and then you know you, you mix it with uh, an iron source and also um, lithium. You get LFP, but um, the amount of uh, purified phosphoric acid that's going to be needed between now and say 2030, and especially 2035, 2040, it goes actually to insane levels. You know, by 2030, there's going to be you know 750,000 tons of LFP cathodactic material required just for small small cars, just the little ones that get you back and forth. Um, you know, passenger vehicles. If you move that into buses and commercial transportation, you can double that. And then if you move into um, large-scale energy storage, 5G towers, you know, uh, energy coming off of uh, large-scale uh, solar and wind farms and hydro and even smaller-scale uh, solar and hydro in people's houses, you can double that double again. Um, and then, you know, other little things like, you know, kids' skateboards and e-bikes and all that kind of stuff, you know, it adds on a, a whole other layer as well. Just by 2030, how purified phosphoric acid would be an increase of about 35% requirement. That's just for the small EVs, right? But like I said, if you start bringing in all the other sectors that will be affected by LFP cathodactic material, you know, you could more than maybe double, maybe even triple the amount of purified phosphoric acid that it, that we need in North America. And there's really just kind of one producer of purified phosphoric acid that, that sells it. And that's really nutrient. Um, and they're, they're constrained by their mine size um, and also by the, the markets that they're already serving. They can't really give it out to LFP battery. And then there is some importation of, of purified phosphoric acid. It's very difficult to import purified phosphoric acid. It's got to travel in special vessels. 
there's risks of contamination there you know it's high expense with that there's high carbon footprint with that and there's hard insurance costs as well and just high liability so you definitely need a a local north american source of purified phosphoric acid and you need it for different reasons i mean one of the things that came up in, in washington was you know u.s military you know really needs uh, something here at home um, that it can rely on to create lfp battery so um Yes, that that's that's where the shortage is going to be. When you start, as soon as you start getting out past 2026, you start getting to 2028. Um, that's when you st you're going to really start seeing the shortage and re really start start seeing a price spike in purified phosphoric acid. We're already starting to see it on a small scale. Um, we're already seeing it in kind of the, the discussions and the offtake agreements. Uh, people are starting to panic uh, for 2026, 2028, um, and that's kind of where when first phosphate is trying to be there to sort of sort of you know fill that market. And we should be the only company in, the, in, in, in North America that could actually fill that demand. There's no other real other phosphate uh, deposits uh, that could come online before then that have any kind of a, you know, an orientation or dedication to this purified phosphoric acid. Some of the others that are out there, you know, they're all dedicated towards fertilizer, really, um, even if they do come online. So, you know, we've got a real strategic direction here at the first phosphate. It's kind of to, you know, give uh, North America that, that 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 strategic amount of purified phosphoric acid that it's going to need uh, for its electrification prerogatives. When you take into consideration the fact that um, there's going to be a shortage, right? And and this is you know this has been stated here from companies like Mining.com as well and stuff like that. Not just like um, myself, yourself, or whatever. We're, we're looking at you know really uh, huge statistical data that's saying that there's going to be shortage. When you look at battery makeup. I mean, it's not like as if there's just a little bit of phosphoric acid in an LFP battery. I mean, it makes up a huge percentage of it. So it, the, the shortage with the fact that it makes up such a huge percentage, it can't just be transitioned out. It, I mean, this is very important that we have companies like yourself that's going to be able to, um, you know, supply for this demand that's needed. Yeah, so, you know, uh, basically, when you make an LFP battery, 20, 28% of parent, approximately what goes in, I mean, it's, it's all different, but say that 25 to 35% um, is purified phosphoric acid at, you know, a really high level of purity, about 99.9% .9 pure um, and diluted at, you know, 85% because it's got a little bit of water in there, so it doesn't freeze. Um, but, you know, that that's what you need to make an LFP battery. And, um that doesn't go away. Um, you also need um, purified phosphoric acid in the electrolyte. So the electrolyte that carries the the charge back and forth from the anode uh, uh, to the cathode, from the anode and the cathode, um, basically, um, you know that requires uh, generally those those electrolytes are use phosphate, and regardless of whether they're in an LFP battery or lithium ion battery, obviously that's not the same amount, um, but it's it's still another big use for phosphate. So phosphate is pre prevalent really across all the battery. Um, technologies in, in, in one in one uh, in one capacity or another, but in the LFP battery, that's where you really need a, a lot of it, um, and you, you need a lot of it in there because you know it's it's basically replacing some of the need for NMC, which just can't keep up, right? And the nickel, manganese, and cobalt. That's very interesting, and you know, given all of this information, what I really like when we transition out, and this will be the last question, uh, John. Your last drilling results seem to have uh, world-class deposits. So when you take all of this information and you look at first phosphate with your last drilling results, can you, in layman's terms, try to explain to the viewers out there what this means for first phosphate? 
Yeah, like, I mean, it, it was just fantastic results. I mean, uh, once the news was out, I, I was happy. I, I bought some stock on, on the back of it as well because um, I was now allowed to because I was out of blackout. But um, look, we have one property at La Calorignal that has uh, 49 million tons um, in the ground between uh, inferred and indicated. Obviously, we think that drilling can increase that somewhat. We're putting that property to PEA. Um, that's, you know, that's a uh, about 15-year mine life, perhaps around you know, 500,000 tons per annum. Obviously, you know, we need our PEA to confirm all of this. So I, can, I don't want to say that's just very approximate. That's kind of what a mine like that would look like. But when you start looking at Beijing La Marche and uh, just the drill results that come back, the um, the the the, um, the grade which is higher than La now, um, and you know the, the number of holes um, that have come back positive, and you kind of just extrapolate that out just very generally, it seems to have you know tremendous amount of phosphate um, at or much better than La Calorignal at higher grade, um, with a lot of drilling left to go. And if you look at what our geologist did, he showed in some of the um, in the in the, uh, the the map, which I hope will show now, it's the first map in the press release. He put out some dotted lines. There's a north northern zone, there's a southern zone, and there's a dotted line zone where he thinks that you know it could also be drilling. If you look at the mag anomaly in there, you know anywhere that's pink could really be phosphate, right? That means it's kind of like um, a, a magnetic anomaly. So that's you know where it usually is. It's usually sitting. Phosphate sits with iron and it sits with titanium. So that that is ilmenite and magnetite. So of course. Um, that's where the magnetics pick that up. So, you know, when you see magnetics, you would hope that, that there should be phosphate there as well. So we're sitting on a massive region of phosphate. Like, you know, it's it's big, it's big. Just requires a lot of drilling. Um, we're going to drill a little bit more, very conservative. Um, we're going to prove up, I hope, a 43-101 on the property, a very small one to start, which can be expanded by early, ne uh, early next year. This, this should be um, ready. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's a massive deposit. And it's massive in the sense that, you know, most people are always looking for big deposits or looking for good grades. And then it's like, oh, you mean it's 3,000 kilometers away from civilization? You know, but then it really doesn't matter, right? If you can't get to it and you can't move it, what really matters in the end? So I think when we, when we mine, when we actually have intention of, you know, going to a, a, a PEA and going to a feasibility study and actually putting in building a mine, um, we have to look for for logistics, right? Because someone told me this, and they're absolutely right. All that a mining plays in the end, it's not even about the minerals, it's a, it's a logistics play, right? So you have to look at the logistics fairly early on. And when you look at the logistics of Beijing on the marsh, it, it is just staggering. Um, this property is sitting at 75 kilometers from the deep sea port of Saguenay. It's a five kilometers from um, paved highway. It's got hydro, three-phase hydro, very close. It's got 2X uh, uh, logging uh, forestry communities not so far from it, which, you know, are people that, you know, like work, understand work, uh, like industri industrial work. They're very happy to have it in their area. Obviously, they want, you know, everything respected. They want the environment respected. And that's what we all want nowadays. But we're very happy to have the work very closely. We're, we're supported by uh, CEMAX, uh, Conference de, um, de Maximisation de Ritombées. It's like the, the economic, uh, um, you know, um, acceleration uh, department, if you will, the economic development department of the region. And the conference of all the regional prefects of the, re of the region um, have supported the project. They've given us major project status, which is very rare for a project this early. But I think that they understand the, the hard work that we've been doing, and just the amount of you know sheer uh, searching and scouring. And you know that's why we, we discovered Beijing on the Marsh. Um, and, and I believe that that's going to be world class. What makes that deposit world class is not not only the grades um, and the amount of phosphate that might be there, but it's actually the feasibility, right? 
like, you know, we have come to the conclusion at First Foster that if you're anywhere between 150 to 250 kilometers north of the Port of Saguenay, there is no feasibility um, in a project, no matter how how, uh, how big it might be or how small. So we like to stick to these smaller projects, closer to infrastructure, lower capex, you're betting less, you're getting them uh, into production with, you know, calculated risk. So, you know, that, that that's what makes it world-class. Again, it's it's not only the the, the, the grade, the size of the deposit that we think, but it's also the ability to actually exploit its logistics. It's what makes it super special. It's incredible. When you look at the macroeconomics of things, and then you look at first phosphate, I mean, the future looks bright. John, thank you so much for being here on Between Play Stock Market Strategies, and I hope to see you again really soon. Yeah, thanks, Albert. I always appreciate uh, being on the show and love your enthusiasm. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Between Plays, it's the journey and what you do between where you are and where you want to be. Research. Disclaimer, Between Plays has a contract with said company in this video at the time of recording. Between Plays only takes contracts with companies we believe have an opportunity to deliver a product or service based on our own research. That being said, always do your due diligence. Seek professional financial analysts when investing. This video is for entertainment, educational, informative purposes. See description for more information. Between Plays. Bridging the gap between companies and investors.